We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? You know, Johnny, you you can't hear the intro on your side of the microphone, uh, but. In case you forgot, we still have the infamous Marcus Peters. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We're going to see him soon. We're so close. We're so close to seeing him soon. Uh, And then we didn't. We're not seeing him soon. The Rams choked away the the two seed and then let the 49ers walk into the playoffs. On the bright side, uh, the Saints had a hard-fought game and won and still don't get to make the playoffs. Which is very amusing to me, uh, but fuck, man, we were so close. It was uh, it was a heartbreaker. There's there's no doubt about it, and uh, yeah, that I, I I'll I'll save my uh, ranting for the podcast a little bit later. But yeah, I. I I have no words at this moment. It's just kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah, this will be a fun one. Uh, for those new to the show, first of all, thanks for coming. Uh, and thanks for the returning listeners. This is a Butting Heads podcast, part of Rams Talk Radio on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Barrow with Johnny Gomez, as always. I, I was thinking the other day how, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts in the open with, like nine minutes of programming reminders. And I'm very proud of us that we don't do that. So I'm going to end this part of the podcast here and we can just start talking about it. Um, Obviously the Rams are coming off a pretty heartbreaking and honestly embarrassing in a lot of ways, losses to the San Francisco 49ers, 27 to 24 in overtime. Had they won, they'd be the two seed. We'd be hosting New Orleans this week. And instead, we're the four seed. We get Arizona. It's been a really, like, I feel like there's so many takes about this game and the state of the team and uh, 
you know, obviously we won the NFC West. Like it was pretty hilarious to see that announced in the middle of the Rams, just blowing uh, this game to the 49ers. And I will say in prep for this podcast, I rewatched the game, which was miserable. And I also um, watched the Cardinals game, which made me feel way better because holy shit, that was even worse than our loss. But Johnny, I just want to hear like, how, how are you feeling uh, like what? What's your status after this game on the team going into the playoffs? Just get, just give me your general mood right now after this after this uh, debacle here. It's really tough and difficult to put into words because on one hand, it was an embarrassing game, and I don't think there's anyone that could deny that that was embarrassing. And I think even the Rams themselves will tell you it was embarrassing. But at the other side of the equation here, I feel like some people like really took this a little too far. Like seeing some of the comments on Twitter and other social medias, it's like, dude, you you'd think that someone shot somebody's puppy. Like, holy shit, like guys, keep it together. Like, no, no, no doubt that it was definitely a disappointing game and it could have gone so much better and it should have gone so much better but regardless it wasn't as bad as people were suggesting (laughs) i i i know that it's gonna come off as like you're being a homer or you're going too easy on the rent no i'm not because here they here's the thing they did lose they did blow a 17 point lead. But at the same time, they lost to a quality team in the San Francisco 49ers who let's just put this simply. They fucking owned us for the past three years. Well, I I think that is part of the issue is like, are they ever going to fucking beat this team? Like it's getting ridiculous. and, And I agree. I totally agree with that. But I feel like every Every team has that one team that's their kryptonite. As we learned this past week for the Indianapolis Colts, that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I mean, even the San Francisco 49ers has their kryptonite in the Seattle Seahawks, Dude, who was this, just utter garbage this year. This was like the fifth most embarrassing loss of the week, which is hilarious. Oh, without a doubt. Like, if you really look at the losses around the league, this, this, I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was terrible. Don't get me wrong. Not, I'm not saying it wasn't, but looking at the, at at like some of the other top teams in the league, and we're talking like teams that are going for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they've had some really tough losses this past week, including the Green Bay Packers losing to the Jared Goffs. Yeah, I <laughs> this wasn't even the most embarrassing uh lost by a Los Angeles football team this week, which is nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel bad for whoever out there is just a true Los Angeles homer and roots for both of them cuz this was a a tough week for you. I don't know if those oh, people no. actually exist, but um <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's kind of like I've been trying to say you're thinking of an analogy because I didn't prepare one, but I feel like it's kind of like when you drop your phone and you get a little crack, not enough to break the screen, 
but you just have like a fucking broken phone. It still works. Uh, it can still get the job done for the most part. But there's always a little crack in the screen, and it's like you can't get a new one because it's, you could either you could get a new one. It's just gonna be a shitload of money, and it's a waste. But like we still have a good team. They're still in the playoffs. They still won the division. And we still can't beat the fucking 49ers. And there's a lot, like, there is positive and negative ways to look at this game. Like, to me, it's, okay, like, on on the good side, like, in general, like, not specific suppliers, like, they've, they had a lead, they blew it, but they pulled together, they made plays, they brought themselves back to the lead, and then it just didn't work out in the end, unfortunately. But then there's the glass half empty approach, and I I feel like I'm not you know not fully in that way, but I'm leaning more towards that way where this is the best team we've played in six weeks. Uh, this is the divisional opponent that we could see again, uh, but somebody we've already played this year that we had time to make adjustments to and figure out how to beat them, and they didn't. And it was a close game, and they came up short, and in the end they couldn't pull it out, and it's. You know, it's a good team, maybe better than the team we play next week. Honestly, I would say so today that that the Cardinals are uh, still you still have to respect them and they're still a good football team, but they are a fucking mess uh, to close out the season. And it's just if our goal this year was to just beat Arizona and get to the next round and, you know, have a competitive game against Green Bay and lose and, like, we'll all be fine with that, then I wouldn't be, like, as fucking frustrated as I am after this game. But it's just this is a Super Bowl or bust team. And to not, like, losing is one thing, but to just kind of, like, blow the game. Like, they had this game. This is not a game they should have lost. It, they had it well in control at halftime. And even... After halftime, after they blew the lead, once they took the lead again, you know, there was a, a graphic going around from ESPN that they had a 99.6% chance of winning the game with a minute and 57 seconds left. Obviously, that shit's meaningless at, at the end of the day. Like, it, you have to win the game. That, that kind of stat doesn't really mean anything. But it's not a fun thing to hear. And the Rams had the ball with a minute 57 seconds left, and it was first down, and you don't win the game. You're up a touchdown. You're not just up a field goal. Like, that's kind of fucking pathetic, man. Like, this is a team that should be competing for a Super Bowl. And, look, I still I still think they can. You know, like, they are not cooked. Uh, there, there's a lot of – there's a good amount of positives coming out of this game and coming out of the last six weeks for sure. But it was just not, not how you want to end your season. And maybe it's better to get a loss out of the way and kind of reevaluate things. But – Certainly doesn't feel like that way to me. So he, here's the thing. I I can totally understand a, any sort of approach to this where you were disappointed, uh, whether you think this was disappointing, but it could be better. I can I can understand both both sides there. Um the way I'm kind of looking at it is even though the Rams completely blew the game, pretty pretty much fucked up the second half. I, I mean, they showed up in the first half. They, they went they went home in the second half. I don't know where the hell they went for the most part. Um, well, they showed up in the second half for like 
10 minutes. Yeah, and that's great, but uh, <laughs> in the end, we still got the L, so I, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, but I'm looking at it like this. They didn't get the win, but they also didn't get their asses handed to them like they did the first meeting against the 49ers. In that game, there was absolutely zero hope in my mind that the Rams were going to win that game, you know, pretty much straight away. And in this game, I feel like they should have won. And there was a lot of reasons they didn't win. Um, in, in a way, I feel like a little bit better um, in that regard. Do I feel good about losing, especially a game that they should have <laughs> essentially won? No. No, I don't. But I'm what I'm saying is it's not all doom and gloom like some people are looking at with this. You yeah. know, I don't feel worse about our chances going into the playoffs than I did last week. But I definitely don't feel better. And no. I think like the only thing I might feel worse about is unless San Francisco beats Dallas, which they might, we have to go to Green Bay in the second round if we beat Arizona, which we should, even after this game. So it's like you wanted to avoid that Green Bay game as long as you could. And the worst, even a, even worse feeling is if San Francisco does win, then, you know, we get to the second round and we'll have to face Tom Brady, which, you know, we've had the Bucks number, but it's still Tom Brady. Like, it's not ideal. But that would have been the case no matter what here. And in the conference championship, you'd either get Green Bay on the road or you'd get the 49ers again, and I don't know which is worse. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I'm still I'm still looking at this even before, you know, the last week happened. I would much rather face the Green Bay Packers over the San Francisco 49ers. I agree. I agree, and, man. And it, it really had nothing to do with this game either. I, even before this game happened, I said that the last team that I want the Rams to face is the 49ers. And I I can't explain it to you. And I don't think anybody can really explain it to, to anyone how the Rams, you know, how the 49ers are the, are the Rams kryptonite. I can't explain it. It just happens. It, it really just happens. And and I and I already gave you examples of other teams that go through this, including the 49ers. So it just, I I I don't know. My the funniest example I or the funniest uh, I guess you could say troll or meme out of this that I saw was that um, <laughs> they said that Shanahan should um, claim McVeigh as a dependent. <laughs> On this, on their taxes, I was like, "Damn!" It's unbelievable I, I, too that Shanahan broke the forty-three and zero or whatever number it was streak of McVeigh winning games that he's leading at halftime. Like, I almost feel like he let us take the lead just so he could add that to his uh, infinity stone gauntlet of things he owns from Sean McVeigh. Pretty much, pretty much, and. <laughs> That was the fun, the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, "Well, well, damn!" Like, you, even if you're like a super diehard fan, where like you, 
where you support the team no matter what, you know, go up to bat for the team, even though they have no idea what your name is. Um, you got to admit that was funny. Like, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just got to you just got to laugh. And uh, even if you're dying a little bit inside, it, it seems like people are at least like having a sense of humor after this for the most part. Like my most liked tweets from the last couple of days are me saying how I never want to face the 49ers again for the rest of my life. Uh, there's a lot of people who are like, nah, this is a competition. Like we got to play them. Like I, I want to see them in the conference championship and get over the hump. You know, we need to overcome this. And it's like, we'll overcome it next year, man. We had to play them twice a year. Anyways, let's not see them again this season. You know, Serious. obviously if it's play them in the NFC championship or not make it, of course, we would cross that bridge if we get there, but I'd rather just get to the Super Bowl, not through them. I, I actually had a similar conversation with a with a buddy of mine who was like, "Well, I I want I want the Rams to play against the 49ers so that if the Rams reach the Super Bowl and win it, you know, the 49ers can't say any the 49er fans can't say anything." And I'm like, "Who the fuck cares if 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 uh the 49er fans say anything. The Rams would have the Lombardi Trophy. Isn't that the goal? Who the hell cares if the 49ers beat them twice in the season? That I mean, it sucks for them because they don't have the hardware to, to support that, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I I know, like, it would be the, the most rewarding route to the championship if, you know, um, you went through the 49ers. Of course it would be if you did that and won, but it... It's like people will say like you shouldn't take shortcuts to get to your destination, but this is like if there's traffic backing up the entire highway and you don't take the shortcut off the highway because you want to overcome the adversity or some bullshit. Like we don't have to play them. You, you shouldn't be wishing for it. Like it would be sick if we beat them. That'd be awesome. I'd rather just avoid them entirely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I feel yeah. like uh, what Seattle fans feel playing against Aaron Donald is what I feel playing against Debo Samuel at this point. Uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> that that didn't age well, did it? <laughs> he's, so, he's so fucking good, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let, let's get into the specifics of what we hate about this team right now. Um, 
and listen, I'm sure the next like 20 or so minutes will be pretty negative, but I, I, I think I could speak for Johnny where we both probably think we're going to win this week. So stick around for the positive stuff. I guess that'll come later in the podcast. Do, do you want to start on offense or on defense? They both performed really badly. It's it's weird because both sides of the ball very much contributed to this being a close game, and both sides very much contributed to us not winning this game. Like, it, it is funny in that aspect. Well, let's just go in order, shall we? Let's start with the offense. So, I, I feel like, you know, they're – are two big things to talk about. I think it was the play calling, the coaching decisions, and the offensive line. I mean, in terms of the Stafford of it all, and I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, like, briefly, like, he's still making some weird, wild-ass throws instead of just straight-up throwing the ball away that I don't understand. Um, the, that I posted on Twitter today, that play where he was rolling out turns his body horizontally and chucked it across the field to Sonny Michelle for no reason was one of the worst throws I've ever seen him make. And there's just like no fucking need to make that pass. The ultimate end result, if he caught it would have been like a one yard gain. If that, um, but I will say overall, I thought he played a really good game for the most part. He missed Odell. Uh, he came up short on that last pass to Odell, which ended up being intercepted. But I didn't think that was a bad decision. He just missed it, and he's made those throws before. So I didn't, like, it was a tough way to lose, but I didn't hate it. I would say overall, I thought Stafford played really well, and I don't hold him accountable for this loss very much, if at all. No, you you cannot blame this loss on on Stafford. Now, did he make mistakes? Absolutely, and and um, I I think there is something to be said about him making better decisions. But I don't blame him for this loss at all. Like, the, there's seriously no reason to blame this loss on him. And, and to be quite honest with you, in the first half. I thought he was fucking awesome. Oh, I thought yeah, he did he was really out. well. If we get first half Jared uh Jared Goff. <laughs> Jeez, I'm already talking about Jared Goff. Um if we if we get first half Matthew Stafford um in, in any of the playoff games, I think we're we're golden. I, I thought he did that well. Second half was kind of iffy. Uh, he did make some terrible judgment calls, um, but I feel like at that point he was kind of panicking for multiple reasons, such as the offensive line just not playing up to par or up to standard that they had played for most of the season. And on top of that, from what I understand, uh, he was suffering from a toe injury as as well that kind of kept him um, less mobile. I mean, obviously, it didn't hurt him enough to keep him out of the game. But, you know, it's starting to make a little sense why he wasn't able to scramble as well as he could. Not that he's, like, an expert scrambler or anything. But, I I mean, geez, like, it it felt like I was watching a rewind at at points in the game where the – 
pocket just collapsed on him and he just stepped right into a defender. Yeah, the offensive line was fucking horrible start to finish. Uh, There was no push in the run game. There was no protection in the pass game. You know, this felt like a really 2019-esque performance from this group. And they were all out there. This is the unit we've had all year, and they've been pretty good for the most part. So it was really fucking, like, brutal to watch. I mean, Stafford got sacked five times. It feels like it should have been more than that. They they were in his face all day, especially in the second half. Um, and they weren't, a, they weren't able to make room for Sonny Michel to run either. He had, what do you have, 20, I think 20... 21 carries for 43 yards and uh, one of the uh, a four he had a 14 yard run so you take that away it was what 20 carries for 29 yards which is horrible um, and yeah some of that's on him but he's been your running back all year and he's been able to produce so I just I don't even know like what to say about the offensive line performance I can't play like this in the playoffs we're gonna get destroyed um, this is not the norm for them, but it's also not the first time they've done this this year. And, you know, I, I think for the most part, Stafford adapted to the pressure and got the ball out. Some of the throws were not were suspect and a better defense might take advantage of those or I don't know, just in different circumstances, because this is a good defense we played. But I mean, God, man, the offensive line, I think is first and foremost, the biggest offense, like, Maybe the biggest part of the game to put the blame on, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of equal parties. I feel like, and they're certainly one of them. Yeah, it it was mind blowing to see that, and you know, I I haven't really seen the offensive line perform this badly since you know they played against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, even I feel like while they weren't that great against the Forty ers the first time. They certainly performed a lot better the first time around um, than the second time around, which is kind of amazing to me considering the Rams overall performed better the second time around against the Niners. Yeah. I, I don't know. Make that Help me make that make sense because I can't explain that. I don't have answers for you there. It's uh, It was tough, man. It was... It, it it was hard to watch. Uh, I, I don't I don't even know like what else to say. I mean, anytime they 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 were getting they were rushing four four pass rushers and getting pressure consistently in the passing game, and we couldn't move the ball at all in the running game. Um, I saw a lot of people calling for the Rams to run the ball late in this game. It's like should they? Sony Michelle's averaging like one yard a carry. Like maybe they shouldn't. I I mean. It wasn't so much to ask to run the football uh, because, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you should completely abandon the run, which you can't really accuse Sean McVay of of abandoning the run because he really didn't. Uh, But at the same time, some of the play calling was uh, at, at the very least questionable. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to Sean McVay a little bit later. But, um, yeah, you, you really can't say that the Rams abandoned the run at all because, you know, they got the runs in there, uh, didn't go anywhere. It just simply the offensive line was outplayed. And that's just the bottom line, you know. It, it should have been really more up to D- 
giving up the play calling to try and make something happen. But in the end, the defensive line just got the better of the offensive line in this game. Um, but, you know, that's all you can really say on the matter. Sometimes the opponent does better. Yeah. <laughs> you give up five sacks, your running backs combined for 26 carries for 46 yards. Like, you can't, you, you can, that's, that's two different parts of the offense that didn't work. That's on the offensive line. That's on them. Uh, I mean, shout out to Cam Akers, though. He's back. He, he played okay in the passing game. Obviously, the running game wasn't there, but I don't, it wasn't for Sony. So it's just, re- it was really just cool to see him out there. I mean, I, I don't really much else to say. It's an incredible achievement for him to be on the field in general. I mean, yeah, you got to give your hats off to, Cam Akers still blows my mind that he tore his ACL in July and he's playing in January. Just mind blown. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the offseason, how impressive that is. And hopefully in the playoffs when he's turning it up, we'll see if he can. Let's talk about the coaching this game on, on the offensive side of the ball and then on the defensive side of the ball we will as well. But it looked so good in the first half. Like the when we had fourth and one and it it was on the two yard line, but it wasn't a goal to go situation. I think we were all thinking like because you don't even need to get in the end zone to keep the drive alive, you have to go for it there. And McVeigh dials up a play action pass and it worked to perfection. Perfect execution. Higby's wide open. Uh just incredible play call by the Rams on that play. I, I think it was the next touchdown by Higby where McVeigh sprints down the field into the end zone. Um, that that came after the incredible Brandon Powell punt return, and uh, just just a remarkable return uh, on a short punt. McVeigh's running down the field. They take a seventeen to nothing lead. Lead. He's so excited. He's celebrating with his players. From that point on, with the exception of the should have been game-winning drive later in the game. Just an absolute disaster of decision-making. Uh, the turning point that the announcers kept pointing out was the third-and-one um, call where the Rams needed one yard and they came out and empty and got sacked. You know, you're not even acting like you're going to run the ball. It's fucking third-and-one. Uh, you just ran this play-action pass that worked so well because the defense completely bit on it and now you don't even give them that option with the empty formation, which we talked about at length. I hate it. Uh, it. It works sometimes. I don't like it in this kind of scenario, uh, and clearly it didn't work here. Um, and then in just in the second half, there were just so many questionable calls. I feel like there was uh, the, the Stafford's first interception was uh, basically a punt. It was third and 16, but you're taking a deep shot. And you're dialing up a play for Ben Skoranek to go deep. You know, like, part of that's on Stafford for throwing the ball to him at all because he was in double coverage. But, like, I don't think he should be running routes 30 yards down the field in any scenario when you have Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup on the team and Van Jefferson. Like, what are you doing? Um, And then, I I mean, I I don't want to hijack here. I mean, is there anything you want to add before we talk about the – final drive they had of regulation 
not too much. Just, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it's not necessarily just a Matt Stafford thing. I think it's a Sean McVay thing as well, where they kind of love Ben Skoranek a little too much. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's a wonderful thing that they have a lot of faith in a young rookie but this is kind of an unproven young rookie in a very important game. Yeah, that was not the best decision to throw him out there on a deep route like that. And it, it was an even worse decision on Stafford's part to, to actually throw the ball to him uh, in double coverage. So, yeah, I I don't understand the logic there and I don't think I ever will understand the logic there, but uh, maybe it's not for me to understand. Yeah, was, I don't know. There's like you have three guys on the team who should be running that route before him. If you're going to chuck it to somebody in double coverage, chuck it to one of them. No, not this guy. Uh, and then there was, you know, we mentioned the Rams got the ball with a minute and 57 seconds left. 99% chance to win or whatever, according to ESPN. And they they run it three times in a row, you know, and not just run it, Johnny. They're like we talk about how they the play out of empty on third and one means there's virtually no chance for them to run the ball. They ran three plays in a row out of their heavy formation, which means there's no chance they're going to throw the ball. And when there is like. I'm fine. I like when they bring in the heavy formations occasionally throughout the game. Like the defense, you know, they can adjust it pretty quickly. It's like the wildcat. It's not going to work every time, but you might get some chunk plays out of it. But in a clear situation where, you know, in this situation, if you have that unit on the field, it's so fucking predictable what you're going to do. Even in in an already predictable situation, you're basically just making it 100% that you're running the ball in a game where running the ball hasn't worked at all anyways. And then, like, I I just, I get why, like, I guess it, it, they clearly were taking the conservative approach. They wanted the 49ers to burn all three of those timeouts. But, like, is the 49ers offense really that much more lethal with one timeout? Like, I just, I thought it was kind of cowardly to not run a passing play or to just not run a play out of a regular formation. And obviously, like, listen, it's not totally on this for the reason they lost the game because the defense let the 49ers go, like, 80 yards in a minute. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I just I just hated every second of that. Um, I really wish they just tried to ice end the game because you had the lead, you're up a touchdown. Just take one shot. I, I just I don't know why they didn't do it. Well, what was absolutely frustrating is clearly the run hadn't worked all game long. And the fact that you're essentially telling telling Shanahan, hey, look, I'm going to run the football. Try and stop me. Yeah, um, considering that you weren't telling Shanahan all game when you were going to run the football and they still stopped you. What makes you think that three guaranteed signs of you running the football that that was going to work? And and I get it, you know, the conservative trying to get them to use the timeouts. Great. 
love it. But at the same time, you know that all you need to do is convert basically just once. And you win the football game. So why not actually try to convert? I don't see this as the Rams being conservative. I saw this as the Rams handing the football back to the 49ers saying, eh, we don't want it. Here you go. And if the Rams defense was actually, you know, doing extremely well, which they really weren't at all in the second half, and yeah, we'll go more in depth about that. But if that were the case, if they were as dominant as they were in the first half, then okay, fine, I guess. But you essentially handed the ball back to them and challenged the, your defense to stop them again. And I don't know what's, what's more frustrating. The fact that, A, the offense didn't try at all. Um, or actually, I shouldn't say that. I, I should say that the offensive play calling wasn't trying at all. This is this B, is not trying. This is set giving them back the ball. Because if it, it didn't work the first two times, why is it going to work the third time? In the same and, formation. Exactly. And this is exactly why. While I am frustrated and I'm extremely pissed in some some way, I don't feel as bad in this game for this loss as I do as I did in the first one. Because in the first one, we there was absolutely no chance the Rams could win that game. The Rams had every opportunity to win this game, and they stupidly actually they stupidly handed the game back to the 49ers. I blame that on coaching. I blame this loss on Sean McVay. Now, don't get me wrong. There were other factors that involved this game, but literally Sean McVay handed the victory to Kyle Shanahan. He was Kyle Shanahan's dependent. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think this was more frustrating than the defense not getting a stop, but it was, they were both really frustrating. Um, and yeah, like I don't feel worse after this game than the blowout, but it's just these things, these are the mistakes that like clearly we're talking about them cost you games and we're heading into the playoffs where if we lose a game, that's the end of our season. Uh especially when you're playing teams that you you're better than because we are a better team than them. But they got our number. Um defensively, the Rams came out lights out playing incredible on the first two drives. And had some moments later in the game. Um, you know, they did. They really had a three and out late in the game. That should have iced it. Von Miller had that big sack. Um, they made some plays in the second half. And we could talk about the, the positives that came out of this game defensively in a bit. But, we, I mean, I'm sure we have a lot to get off our chest here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, for the most part, 
in the second half. This was and in overtime. This was a fucking disaster. The Rams missed 19 tackles in this game. That was the most they missed all year. I mean, there was a play where Elijah Mitchell got three yards and he broke two tackles, uh, which is ridiculous. They, the secondary besides Jalen Ramsey, just got absolutely abused. And we can talk about some specifics in a minute, but um, those guys got cooked. And I mean, let's be honest. The offense should, I I think we agree, they should have tried on one of those three plays to get a first down, but you have no no timeouts, 90 seconds, and your quarterback you're playing against is fucking Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who I I think is, you know, we rag him all the time. He is better than people give him credit for. This is not the strength of his game. The strength of his game is competently being able to manage a game where everything is going well and you can run the ball. It is not going 80 yards in 90 seconds. And he didn't even need all 90. He did it in 60 uh, with no timeouts. It's just like you have to fucking be better than that. You have to be better than that. And, uh, you know, everyone misplays on that drive. Even Ramsey got beat. Uh, Nick Scott, Darius Williams, and Taylor Rapp all look out of place on the the game game tying touchdown. Uh, Leonard Floyd got that offside call. It was, you know, I don't think it was a good call, but be better. Get don't make it a toss up call. Make it clearly you're on fucking onsides. It just that that whole drive was such a disaster, um, and like. They they really just got their ass beat by an offense that is is pretty good. You know, they could really hammer it to you. I don't know, you know, unless we play them, we're not going to play a team that runs the ball as well as they do. But it, like it was a really depressing defensive performance, and especially now with Jordan Fuller going down, the guys who were the dark spots in this game and who probably cost us the most most. All have to play next week. They're all going to get minutes. Uh, it's just it was really rough to see, and uh, we are playing against a better quarterback next week. I don't think it's a better offense. They're banged up, but uh, that does not make this does not make you feel good going into the playoffs. This defensive performance, even though there were some good bright spots. So, I I think I could live with certain things like. One of the the aspects of this defense that we've all, we've been concerned about pretty much all year long has been the secondary, particularly at cornerback, uh, because other than Jalen Ramsey, I, I mean you you really don't have much of anyone. Darius Williams has not been the same Darius Williams we saw in 2020, and quite frankly, we have Dante Deon who he plays better than what you'd expect, but he's still not that great. And he did not and do that in this game. He was an no. absolute fucking turnstile. No, he, he was a liability in this game. There's no doubt about that. And uh, it, it just, you you have nobody else. That's, that's the big concern in all of this. So for the shortcomings of the uh, secondary, the Rams really need, uh, pressure up front, which also did not happen that much in this game either. They they happen on occasion. You know, Ashton Robinson got in a couple times. 
Aaron Donald somewhat got in there, um, but he it's hard to blame him for anything because he's constantly being double and triple teamed. But my point is, this was a 49ers offensive line without Trent Williams. And you'd expect at least a little more pressure on Jimmy G. And it didn't happen. It it was very sparse. And that's that's a big problem, especially when you're basically forcing your depleted secondary to to step up, you know? it's it's a bit concerning it's a bit alarming um and and i have to say it's one of the reasons why the the rams didn't do very well but at the same time what's very frustrating is the missed tackles i i've never seen a defense play so well in the first half and then see a completely different defense in the second half. Like in the first half, the the 49ers offense looked like trash. Like they it seriously looked like it was going to be a blowout game. And then all of a sudden, the team forgot how to tackle. And and, and it's not an incorrect statement to say because as Steve mentioned earlier, they missed 19 fucking tackles. Yeah. And every every unit on the defense was missing tackles. It yes. wasn't just one group. Aaron Donald missed two. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, it's like that was fucking brutal. I know you're going to miss tackles in the NFL. Guys are hard to tackle in the NFL. But that was so, like, pathetic to just watch them just bounce off of everybody. Um, It, it was really, really insane uh, looking at. The numbers, Cam DeSilva pulled on Rams wire. Ashawn missed four. Nick Scott missed three. Uh, Dante Down and Aaron Donald missed two. And six different players missed one. Uh, the only players who didn't miss tackles were, who played 20 snaps and didn't miss tackles were Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams, and Taylor Rapp. I will give a shout-out to Terrell Burgess, who made some great tackles in his uh, limited time filling in for Jordan Fuller. That guy should play the entire game next week compared to how the other guys are playing in the secondary. I mean, literally a potentially game-saving play if the offense turned around and scored uh, when they threw the ball in overtime to George Kittle in single coverage on Terrell Burgess. There's nobody in that secondary except Jalen Ramsey that I would have expected to actually make the tackle. And he did it on his own. Um, But beyond that, man, what a fucking mess. And I I think you nailed it with all the other stuff. The, The... the pass rush got a little pressure. Um, if you know, there was the one drive where they went three and out and were sacked twice, which was a Sean and uh, with Troy reader, which is obviously the biggest one. There was the, I think it was either a Sean or Aaron Donald or both that got in Jimmy's face and forced the interception to Taylor Rapp, And there was the sack by Von Miller at the end of the game. But for the most part on these drives, they weren't getting any pressure. And when you invest so heavily in the front, front four and kind of ignore the secondary the way they did by keeping Leonard Floyd over John Johnson by bringing trading for Von Miller instead of bringing quarterback help when you needed cornerback help more uh obviously you're paying Aaron Donald but any sane team should be doing that um you need that unit to carry the defense and 
listen, if they're going to beat Arizona next week, it has to be on the pass rush because the the Seahawks fucking were in Kyler Murray's face every play this week, uh, and that directly resulted in a victory. And, And they just didn't do enough of it in this game, and the secondary was brutal. But, like, look, the team is constructed to cover up the inabilities of the guys around Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. You know, Dante Dayon is a practice squad guy. He He's played well at times, but you can't go out there and expect him to be Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Darius Williams needs to be better, that's for sure, and we'll see if he plays this week. He's got a shoulder injury. It doesn't – we don't know if it's serious yet. We're only recording this Monday night. Hopefully it's not. Um, but – David Long, what more needs to be said, is not good. And with Jordan Fuller done for the year, uh, you're at, you're going to be asking Taylor Rapp to play a bigger role, who's played pretty well, uh, I would say. You're going to be asking Terrell Alberts to play a bigger role, who played well in this game, but you know we don't know what he's proven. And they're going to ask Nick Scott to play a bigger role, who I think sucks. No offense to him. Again, way better at football than me. But... Uh, like it's the pass rush is going to be the need to be the anchor of this defense for us to be able to beat good offenses in the playoffs. And the game here is not fully on the defense, but that unit needs to be better because the players behind them are not that good besides Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, it's moving forward. That's really what it's got to be. It's really got to be some sort of pressure up front. If there's no pressure, I don't. I'm not very hopeful for a victory, uh, unless the the offense is putting up like 50 points, which doesn't seem to be a trend for the Rams. So, um, it it really it really has to be uh, front you know front seven reliant. Otherwise, this this could be a very early exit. Yeah, and at least in regulation, I mean. This was a game where the Rams won the turnover battle and the interception by Stafford didn't really matter um, because it was just a punt pretty much. It was third and 16. So it's, they, they had to be better. I mean, both sides of the ball have to be a little better, but the defense especially, and it's, it's again, like Leonard Floyd was a ghost in this game. Uh, was he out there? I only know he was because he got called for a crucial penalty late in the game. Uh, Von Miller's coming along. I think he's going to be a force to be in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, this is not this is not Aaron Donald's best game. Shit might have been his worst game. But I, I have no doubt he's going to be good in the playoffs. But those guys are the guys that are going to have to anchor this team through the playoffs. Jalen Ramsey can contribute a lot, but he can't guard five guys. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, look at and I mean, before we move on, because uh, we've been talking about this game for a long time, shout out to Jalen Ramsey for single-handedly keeping us in the game with that interception. What well, maybe the best interception I've ever seen? Uh, just tipping the ball to himself in a crucial situation. Uh, it was absolutely huge for the 49ers to not walk away with points on that possession. And Ramsey's interception got it, and credit to McVay and the offense, they turned around and stormed down the field and scored a touchdown on a really spectacular drive. That single-handedly changed the momentum of this game. Uh, it I've never, season. I've never seen a, a interception quite like that. Where I was like, oh, 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 because Jesus, I, 
I was not sure he was going to make that interception at least three times. Uh, but uh, kudos to him for sticking with the football. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was that was wild. Um, before we move, I do feel like we have to talk about the, the, the crowd a little bit in this game. Obviously, very 49er heavy in the bottom levels. I saw a lot of people pointing out on Twitter that the season ticket licenses in those levels are very expensive and the ticket dealers own most of those seats. And as a result, Rams fans aren't controlling who's buying the tickets. So a lot of 49ers fans bought them. Uh, I will say two things. A, it is fucking embarrassing to have that happen in a game as crucial as this, but B the Rams haven't been in the city this long and LA is Johnny earmuffs, a transplant city. You know, and as somebody who lives in a transplant city, you're not going to move. Like, if you move from Chicago to Los Angeles, you're not going to start disliking the Bears because the Rams came to town. Uh, the the To be as successful as a new franchise, especially in a massive market in a transplant city like L.A., it's like I live in New York, um, the Nets moved here, what, 2009, 2010? It took them a really long time to build a fan base, and they really people really only started caring about them because they signed Kevin Durant. It, like in big cities, when a lot of the people that live there and are buying tickets for these events aren't, you know, they they have their own city affiliations. It's different when, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are born and raised in LA who started liking the Rams because they moved there. Um, and there's a lot of people like you, Johnny, whose family has liked the Rams since before they moved. Uh, but it's not like it's going to take years for the Rams and, and I do a lesser extent, the chargers will see if they ever do it, um, to build a fan base that is big enough and strong enough in the area to have most of the seats or a significant enough amount of seats in the stadium to where you don't hear the opposing defense when it's one of the five most popular franchises in the league. It's going to take a long time, and I don't really hold it against any fans in our team. This shit just takes time, man. Yeah, I I kind of agree uh, with your points for for the most part, but I have to say it was very disappointing to see as many red shirts out there uh, because it, I, and I'm sure even the players would probably tell you that it probably felt like a, a an away game. That's Stafford never... basically said as much, uh, which he said it was hard to communicate in the second half, which like, listen, man, I don't care. Uh, it's your job to get it done. Like you're not really going to blame the fans. Like relax. Yeah, exactly. But um, still, you it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way, and and I realize that um, L.A. is kind of like it, it's kind of like a melting pot of fans because, a, as you mentioned, Steve, the L.A. didn't have a team for over twenty years, so unfortunately, there are a lot of different fans in the area. Some of them went for California teams like the 49ers. Uh, others, um, you know, were with the Raiders, who was a California team for, you know, a long time before they moved to Vegas. 
Um, not so many teams, not so many people with the chargers, but, um, you know, it, it, it goes far and beyond that because there are team, there are, you know, fans that went to the Cowboys, uh, the Patriots, uh, you know, all kinds of different teams, even like teams like the Packers. But, um, so it is going to take some time to really establish a, uh, a true fandom here. Um, but that's no excuse to seeing as many red jerseys there. And, and it's one thing if it's, you know, uh, if, if you're seeing them in, and, you know, the nosebleed section, then okay, fine. But seeing them in a lot of season ticket, um, you know, seats, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough all around. Um, it, it, it sucks to see the crowd like that. And I mean, I don't think it'll be, it'll be better for the, the next game. Cause a, it's a playoff game and B the Cardinals are not as big of a fan base as San Francisco, but it's going to take a long time for the Niners, the Cowboys, and especially I'm sure the Raiders. Uh, and then for those games to feel like, uh, true home games. Uh, it's going to take a long time because no offense to anyone who lives in the city, but like when the Thunder moved to Oklahoma City, they are like the first professional sports team in the state pretty much. And I would say not, you know, I'm, I'm sure people move to Oklahoma City, people move everywhere. It's not like people moving to like LA or New York where there are tons, where there are like people from Oklahoma City moving to Los Angeles. They're going to be Thunder fans once that team comes in. They're not going to be Laker fans. It's uh, yeah, it's just good to, it takes time to build fan base. And I, I know, I see, I notice like kids wearing Rams gear, uh, which is literally the best sign you could have. I mean, you're talking to one uh, that became a Rams fan while the team was good when I was a child. Uh, those are the people that are gonna that are gonna ultimately build your fan base. It's just going to take some time. Ten uh, year olds are not themselves going out and buying 100 level tickets to go to games damn it (laughs) another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, well, we're pretty deep into this podcast, Johnny, so I'm going to skip all of our non-playoff-focused topics. Uh, I will say we touched on it a little before. A lot of injuries in the secondary right now. Jordan Fuller, unfortunately, suffered an angle injury. He's done for the year. Taylor Rapp is in concussion protocol. No indication whether or not he'll be ready for this game. It, it didn't sound like he wouldn't be. So, good thing we got that extra day. That's going to be helpful for us playing on a Monday. Uh, Darius Williams suffered a shoulder injury. He'll be evaluated further. Losing Jordan Fuller is a tough blow, considering how bad they looked after he left the field. And um, I think they just got to play Terrell Burgess because he looked more impressive in this game than Nick Scott's looked all season. 
and they do play three safeties anyway, so Scott's going to play regardless. I would rather give Burgess a chance to step into that role. But, man, if T-Rap and Darius Williams can't go, that's going to be tough. The good news is apparently our practice squad can defend the Arizona receiving core, <laughs> as evidenced by the last time we played them. But Fuller is a really tough blow. Uh, that That one is... I think for sure the third biggest loss we could possibly suffer in this defense. Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't think people realize how big of a blow Jordan Fuller was because, you know, he may not be um, as good as he was last season, but regardless, this was your defensive leader. You know, he was your signal caller out there and that, that means a lot, you know, taking that away is, um, it's frustrating because now you're, you're even more limited in the secondary. And that was by far the weakest part of this defense. And, you know, it, it, it really just stems now to whether or not, again, if they could put pressure, because the secondary, to ask them to cover is going to be very tough, especially as, you know, the Rams go on to face, you know, better uh, passing attacks, because even the 49ers, their their passing attack is kind of meh. Dude, you, like, they're getting cooked by uh, Juwan Jennings. Like, I, he's he's a fine player. That'd be like if we, you know, last year, if we went into a team and Josh Reynolds had 150 yards. Like, it, it's the same type of guy. Like, that guy should not be cooking you. Uh, yeah. Debo is one thing. He's a great player. Kittle is a great player. I think Ayuk's a little overrated. But, like, you know, even him, he hasn't been good this, really good this year. And those guys are doing whatever they want against you. Like, it, it's pretty embarrassing. And, you know, when... I feel okay going into Arizona based on how they played in that COVID game, but uh, there's a lot of talent in that group, even if DeAndre Hopkins is out, of which uh, it seems like he will be. But, um, you know, Christian Kirk's good. A.J. Green has lost a step, but he's still really good. And uh, Rondell Moore is up a comer. Zach Ertz is obviously good. They'll, they'll be tested, and they'll be tested immediately. And every team left in the playoffs – has a handful of talented cat pass catchers. Except, well, I guess the Eagles do too, but they're not as terrifying, and we're definitely not going to play them. And that's the thing too is, you know, m- most teams do this anyway, but there'll always be teams that will try and challenge uh, Jalen Ramsey. They're not, they don't need to. What for? Yeah. You have Dante Deon, you have David Long out there. Um, yeah, there, there's absolutely no reason for teams to target Jalen Ramsey, and they won't. So this is why pressure needs to to happen. If it doesn't, it's going to be a short exit. Yeah, well, in that regard, I mentioned I watched the Cardinals game, and listen, man, we no, I feel like none of us really saw this game because uh, we were watching the Rams, obviously, and... I think the last thing you'd want to do after watching that game is go watch highlights. You kind of just want to go to bed um, and, and sulk. 
Dude, this Cardinals loss was so fucking embarrassing. Uh, they had a pick six, and they had um, another interception that got returned to, like, the two-yard line. Um, And even with all that, they were down two scores with, uh, with four minutes left in the game. Like, they fumbled the bag so hard in this game. They... I, if, if you follow me on Twitter um, at Rivera, I posted a clip of their muffed punt that happened. I'm trying to even figure out when this happened late in the game. Literally, uh, at the end of the third quarter, it was a tie game, and their punter didn't punt the ball. Like he he felt pressure like a quarterback and dropped the ball, and then like fumbled it to the the Seahawks and they picked up the ball at the 10 yard line in a tie game going into the fourth quarter. Uh they just blew this game so hard. I they've lost four out of their last five games. One of those was to us. Um we handled them, you know, it was it was a close game score wise, but it felt like the game was in control and this was uh a game for those who forgot. We didn't have Rob Havenstein, we didn't have Tyler Higby, we didn't have Jalen Ramsey, we didn't have uh couple other players I can't remember I I you know they're still dangerous they still have a lot of good players uh they have an offense that could blow up at any given moment even without Hopkins as I mentioned who's who's injured I don't know if he's going to play in this game if if the the Rams should absolutely not lose this game like really under any circumstances besides a bunch of players getting hurt or not being able to play uh, we are a much better football team than them going into this game. Even coming off this loss, we've won five out of our last six. Six, they've lost four out of their last five. Uh, you may be thinking, well, maybe they played some good teams. Well, they didn't. Uh, they lost to the Lions, they lost to the Colts, and they lost to the Seahawks. Uh, none of those teams are in the playoffs. Uh, this should be, <laughs> truth be told, if we tied against San Francisco this week, we would have played them again, and this is a much better scenario I'd rather would have had the two seed and gotten a couple home games and played the Eagles in the first round, but the Cardinals are not good. Um, and I'm glad they lost in such dramatic fashion because I'd much rather play them than Dallas, like not even close. I think they're a way worse team, and I'm maybe I'll be eating my words in a week. I'm really not that worried about the first round. I'm worried about the Rams' chances of winning the Super Bowl. I'm not that worried about them beating Arizona this week. Well, it, it's entirely possible for the Rams to win win against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think there's uh, any denying that. It's just it depends on which team shows up. And I feel like even with you know the devastating injuries to um, to the secondary, I feel like even the if the offense plays at all like they did in the first half uh, against the Forty ers with hopefully a better ground attack and better offensive line play, I I think um, the Rams should be fine offensively. And, you know, if they control time of possession like they did in this game, I, um, I think that there's absolutely no doubt about it that the Rams could win this game pretty easily. Now, do I think it's going to be a straight-up blowout? Doubt it. But... I, I think that the Rams have the tools necessary to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, both teams are kind of banged up, 
But in the end, I feel like the Rams have more talent still. And um, as long as the strategy is there and they make better decisions, I feel like the Rams should be able to win this no problem. Yeah, and but we'll see. You know, they they should have been able to beat Arizona this or San Francisco this week. But in our defense, if you go back and listen to our podcast last week, we both said we were absolutely fucking terrified of that matchup. And I'm not saying that today. Um, especially watching them play Seattle. You know, they're de- Seattle. They move the ball with ease a lot of times, but Arizona's defense made plays and. Um, their pass rush was great. And so that to me, like um, even though Russell Wilson only took one sack, Arizona did get pressure on him. If, if the, the offensive line is going to need to protect against that unit, but the good news for, you know, McVay is it, Seattle ripped off a lot of chunk plays in this game. If you look at their box score, their top five receivers all had their longest catches over 20 yards, um, which is pretty insane. And Rashad Penny had a 62-yard run to ice the game. He, he was gone apeshit. Um, 23 carries for 190 yards and a touchdown. I don't, like, for whatever reason, Rashad Penny is playing, like, a mix of Walter Payton and Jim Brown. So I'm not ready to indict the 49ers' running defense on his performance. But I know Seattle has a lot of talent on their offense, but if they could do what they did to Seattle or to Arizona in this game, and that's with turning the ball over and basically giving away 14 points, we should be fine. Uh, we should be fine against this defense. And offensively, they are clear, like clearly something is off compared to the first half of the season. You know, without DeAndre Hopkins, that group is struggling. Um, they didn't have Chase Edmonds in this game. That loss was also felt a bit. He might be back in this in next week, um, but I I don't know, man. I I, I feel like we're we're better. We're better right now. Uh, we weren't better in week five when we lost to them, or was that week four? I it was a long time ago. Um, we we should beat them. We should beat them. I I would predict a. 31 to 23 victory on my end. Um, but this should not be a game we lose, especially at home. I'm going to say a redemption game for the Rams and not a thrashing per se, but a decisive victory. So I'm going to say 34 to 20 Rams. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if they just, if they don't turn the ball over, I, I'm not that worried. I, I, I'm not sitting here saying I think the Rams are going to make the Super Bowl. I just think Arizona is a mess right now, um, and I it's, there's a chance for sure that they their offense just spazzes in this game. There's enough talent to do it even without Hopkins. I just don't think it's going to happen, and I <laughs> I don't know. I mean the the Rams, you know, they're going to be looking in the mirror after this week's loss, but uh. I, I don't I don't think I don't think this is where our season ends. I think next week we're either going to Green Bay or we're going to Tampa. And I know which one of those teams I'd rather face, but if, if we go to Tampa, that would mean that the 49ers would have had to have win. Yeah, uh I'm not sure I want that to happen. If the Rams the 
Eagles and the 49ers all win next week. Then we get to play the 49ers again at home. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, even with how banged up Tampa Bay is, there is absolutely no fucking way that they're losing to the Eagles in the playoffs, especially considering the last time Tom Brady played the Eagles in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think he's forgotten, and I think they're going to blow the Eagles out. They're a much better team. I just I cannot imagine Jalen Hurts is going to beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. No, I would highly doubt it, but I suppose stranger things have happened. And, and listen, with all this shit I'm talking about Arizona right now, they're so much better than the Saints, and we fumbled the bag there. We could have just been playing Trevor Simeon this week. We could have been playing Trevor Simeon, and we blew it, and now we, we get to play the Cardinals, who are struggling, but a much better team than the Saints. I want to play against Trevor Simeon. <laughs> uh, well, man, I, I'm, I, as confident as I am about Arizona, I'd be lying if I wasn't a little terrified. Uh, it would be. It, it's already going to be depressing if the Rams lose in the same round they lost last year, potentially in the same place. It's going to be real hard to deal with them losing in the first round. But I feel good. Um, Confidence-wise, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say I'm at like a 9 that they're going to win this week. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I, For as bad as, as this past game was... I don't think it's nearly as bad as people are suggesting it was. It, it was bad, but not nearly as bad. You know, I there were games where I felt like this year the Rams played, you know, especially the first game against the 49ers, where I just had little to no hope um, after that game. And even despite all of that, I feel like, Again, it was still a very winnable game. In the end, the Rams kind of, um, you know, blew it for themselves. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from the 49ers because, hey, they they ended up getting the, the W. But, uh, you know, I feel a little bit more uh, at peace with this loss than I did the first one. Yeah, it's... It's one part, it's part, you know, you feel way better because they played way better and it was a game that was very much within grasp to win and they should have won it. Um, but you also feel bad because this is their sixth straight loss to the 49ers who for the last two years have been worse than us. Uh, you know, the first two losses in that six-game streak, they were a way better team than we were that year. So you're not really hanging your head around those. But it all adds up. It's a number that adds up. I will say the Rams beat the Cardinals and Seahawks in back-to-back weeks like not very long ago. They gave up 10 points to the Seahawks, who just hung 38 against the Cardinals. So I, I the Cardinals feel destined to blow it. I mean, but who knows? Who knows? They they were at 1.7 and now. Uh, all right. I think we're good. <laughs> Anything else you want to hit on? I know this, the opponents for next year were announced today. We'll talk about that in the offseason. Um, yeah, I think we hit everything. Uh, just uh, 
I hope to see more of uh, the savior, Brandon Paul. Uh, Powell. I said Paul. Powell. <laughs> I forgot our own savior's name. Uh, Brandon Powell. Brandon Powell, the GOAT. Um, if we had time, we were going to talk about Cooper Cup's MVP chances. I think I could summarize what both of us are thinking. He deserves it. Don't get your hopes up. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, expect Aaron Rodgers to win it. It's And, and listen... I think there's a bigger conversation to be had about this just basically being a quarterback award. There's literally nothing more Cooper Cup could have done, but Aaron Rodgers also had a great season, and it's a quarterback award, and it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So when when uh, Aaron Rodgers wins the award, don't feel too bad. All you can hope for is the quarterback voters split the vote between Rodgers and Brady, and enough of the it doesn't have to be quarterback voters vote cup, but – no count on it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Really hoping it's not at the end of the Rams season, and we'll be previewing the divisional round after that game. But be sure to follow us on Twitter at Ciberero, at Johnny Five Not Six, and at Talk Rams. And God help us all. Tell Sean Payton keep talking that. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.